and welcome to the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us. Now here's Surf Pastor Elliot Higgins with this week's sermon. My name is Elliot Higgins, and I am the Surf Pastor here at Southcliff. Our senior pastor, Dr. Carol Moore, is on vacation today. So I hope that you had a great night of sleep, but I'll be watching you just in case. But I am delighted to be with you this morning. We continue a series that he and I have been working together with, or at least preaching different messages through this series, is one another. And the one today you're going to see is good works. One another, good works. Now the concept with this one another throughout all of scripture God has given us these phrases, one another, and then something else. There's another word that goes with it. He is directing our attention to each other. God has created each of us uniquely. You are the only you that will ever live on earth like you. And God has designed you with a destiny that only you can fulfill. But yet, that destiny is a piece in the puzzle with everyone else. God doesn't need you to accomplish, but what God does do is include you. And your life was created for a purpose. And so we see that play out in this One Another series. Now to begin today, I want to ask you a question. If God were to walk into this room in human form, he were to walk into the room or there at your house online, and he were to sit down next to you on your left or your right, he sits down and he turns his head and his eyes meet your eyes and his mouth opens as if he's about to speak. God is seated next to you and he's about to speak. What do you think he would say to you today? what would he say? That's a question that will bring a lot of different answers in this room. Fact of the matter is, it really matters not what you think God would say. What does matter is what God would actually say. In the text before us, I believe, is what he would want you to know and what he would say. But all over the room and online, when I ask that question, there's a series of responses. There's some who respond in fear. God sees every sin, mistake, challenge that I have ever done, shortcoming, failure. I'm afraid that he is disappointed in me. I I am fearful. Others are saying, I honestly have no idea what he would say. I am completely lost with that. I don't know what I want to know. There are others who would say, look, I have put my faith in Jesus. I'm not fearful, but I also know that he's called me to something that I am resisting. There's kind of a angst to what he might say. Doesn't really matter what you think he says. What does matter is what he would say. And today in the passage of scripture, we find in Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, we're going to see what God wants you to know. If it it involves his presence, it's as if he's seated next to you. And we know people of God that you are in the presence of God today. 
and it should not strike fear or doubt or concern. The scripture before us is going to show us what that looks like and what God wants you to know, what he would say to you at least, in the very least, to remind you of this truth that perhaps you already know. And so what he's going to do, we're going to see in this passage of scripture that God is going to reveal our position in him. So there's two reasons why he brought you here. One is to remind you of your position. And then the second is your mission. These two things are why you are here. Now the first part, that position is important to us because when we know if God is about to speak to us and say something, we don't have to be fearful. God is revealing what he is doing what he has done in your life, in the power that is attached to that. So he, he is showing us who he is, what he's done, but like a good piece of double-sided tape or superglue, he takes you, you'll see it in this passage, here's what God is, and then he brings you and attaches you to it. And so we have this position that he is linking his work in you to it. And because of this union, he now gives us a mission. And it's this position that gives us strength for the mission. Why is that significant for you? It is significant, and I believe the reason why you're here is because God is going to remind you of the sheer power that he has brought you together with God. And he is going to remind you that which he has called you to do. It may be that life for you seems like a monotonous routine. It is the same thing. You want to fulfill the destiny God created you for, and this is it. Your position and your mission. There are others who perhaps you understand your position, but you are lacking seeing God move in the lives of those around you. And your heart is full and ready to do that. How do I do it? Well, that's where we see our mission. So God is going to reveal or at least remind us of our position and our mission. And he does it in Hebrews chapter 10. Before I read this text... I want to give the context of this passage. Hebrews, at least when we get to this part, they are talking about a cultural understanding that you and I in modern culture don't fully grasp the way that the Jewish believers would have at this point. They would worship in the temple. And there's a whole process of which they would go through their worship, one that does not exist in our cultural understanding. When I was in fifth or sixth grade, I don't remember quite when, but I remember flying on the airplane the first time in my life. And I landed in Connecticut, and we went out to eat, and I asked the waiter, do you have chicken fried steak? They had no idea what I was talking about. They said, we have sirloin. I'm like, well, that's not chicken fried steak. That's steak. But what about the chicken fry? Well, we've got chicken. Did you hear the steak? They don't understand what I'm talking about. And that's the same concept for us. This passage, he is directing this to Hebrews who understand the culture of the temple worship. So let me very briefly give you that picture because you're going to see those images play out in this text. And it's important for us. 
What we see, if you were to rewind here in this book, you're going to see that the writer of Hebrews is talking about how the priests are continually sacrificing sacrifices at the temple to cover the sins of the people. And this is going on day after day after day after day. And once a year, the high priest, the top guy, he takes a lamb and he kills it. There's a whole process for this. He takes the blood of this lamb and goes into the Holy of Holies. There's a curtain that separates where the priests are doing this and the high place, the Holy of Holies. And it's this place that the glory of God dwells. This is where the Ark of the Covenant is, the Ten Commandments, all these things are right there. And on top of that Ark of the Covenant is what's called the Mercy Seat. So he takes this blood of the lamb, this high priest, at this one time a year. He moves past this curtain. No one else is allowed. And if they do, they die. So it's a very significant thing. And he takes this blood and he sprinkles it on the mercy seat on the top of this Ark of the Covenant. And the representation of this is that there is a shedding of innocent blood to cover the sins of the people of Israel. Now, the reason this is important is because this is the, where the glory of God, where God dwells, such as it is. He doesn't need a temple to dwell. He's bigger than this. But this is where he meets with his people, where all of the people of God and God come together. And there's one man that brings that together. Now, the temple is a complex thing. It begins, if you are a Gentile, I was not born in a Jewish culture or the Jewish heritage. So I am a Gentile. So there's a court of Gentiles that most of us, this is as far as we're going to go. Past that is the court of women. So if you are now in the Jewish race, this is where these families of the Jewish people would go. Beyond that, there's a court of men. This is where the men would take as represent representative of their family, their sacrifice to give to the priests. They hand this off to the priests, which the men no longer can go any further than that. This is the section where the priests are working killing these sacrifices and offering the blood. At one time a year, the high priest, he's the only one of the priests who now goes to the Holy of Holy. So you see this huge process of all of these divisions all the way down to one. That's the context that we pick up, is this picture of this temple worship and all that is going on for the redemption of the sin, for the covering of the sin, and for God and man to be brought together. That sin no longer separates, but there's all of these separations even at that. So with that knowledge, now that you can order chicken fried steak and you know what we're talking about, we now see this cultural picture before us. So what we're going to see in this passage Hebrews 10, verses 19, where we begin. You're going to see the very first part, remember, our position. God reveals something that he is doing, who he is, what he's doing. Midway through, you're going to see him bring you and I together with that. He is revealing our position. At the very end of this, you're going to see that mission. He's taken that position and now shows us how that moves forward. It's important for us because this is how we fulfill the destiny that God has for us. It's how we live a life of power and of community with God. So let's read this from starting in verse 19. We'll read it all the way through and then we'll work back through this verse by verse. It says this. 
Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through the flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another in all the more as you see the day drawing near. Look with me back to verse 19. He says, therefore, brothers. Therefore, that word is linking us back to that image of the temple worship we just discussed. All of this process, how the priests are always working, trying to cover sins, it's this whole process. And he says, because of this, brothers, believers, he is writing to people who have put their faith in Jesus. Who is it that I'm addressing this morning? Well, predominantly those who have put their faith exclusively in Jesus. So this is for our ears to hear. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Let's pause for a second. There is a lot happening in this very first verse. He is saying that we have confidence. Did you pick up that word? Confidence. There is a boldness. There is a strength, a a confidence to enter what? The holy places, also translated the most holy, the holy of holies. Now, picture back that temple worship, how every person is excluded all the way out until you have one person that is bringing the sacrifice to God to atone for the sins of the people. Only one man can do that one time a year. And now we as believers have the ability to walk boldly with confidence into the holiest of holy places. There is no fear or shame or guilt. The writer here is saying and reminding us of God's truth that we are confidently in the holy place of God. We can approach him. Confidence. What does that mean? Understand that God is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He is more mighty than you can imagine. The strength and the power and the glory, the wisdom in, the, in all of his attributes, his mercy and grace, the fullness of all of that, people of God, is what we can confidently approach. There is no one or no other process but you and I walking with confidence to the fullness and close proximity to God. We have the ability to approach God without fear, shame, or guilt. We have the ability to lay claim, to grab onto his strength and wisdom and his promises. All of this is what we have confidence in. How? The Bible says through what? By the blood of Jesus. Remember that imagery of that sacrificial lamb where that blood is sprinkled on the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant, and it's covering the sins. This is that same picture. Jesus' blood was the one that was sprinkled in once and for all. We do not have to continually re-crucify Jesus for our sin. 
This is something that when he breathed his last, he says, it is finished. That wasn't past tense exclusive, people of God. That was future tense as well. It doesn't matter what you have done or what you will do. We have access to God and his mercy and grace because of Jesus in this blood. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. And he has paid those wages. You and I owe nothing. When God looks at us, you remember at the beginning, what would God say if he's seated next to you? When God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. And he sees it because of what Jesus has done for you and I. It is true that we forget, we ask forgiveness of our sin. We don't let that slide because God does not want that in our life. And it hinders us from living the life God called us to. But there isn't anything you can do that God has not already dealt with on the cross. And so he says that we have confidence, boldness to enter the Holy of Holies. Perhaps God brought you here this morning to remind you of that truth. That you go to work tomorrow morning and it's the same thing and you feel powerless and hopeless. You go home to your family and there are struggles and financial problems and you are filled with despair. And here's the thing. God reminds you of your position. That you have access to the provision of God. His strength, his wisdom, his power. Something we easily forget but something that brings the fullness of God in our life. And it really changes our perspective as we engage the life that God has called us to. So we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Verse 20, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. Interesting imagery here. Look with me, it says, by the new and living way. The word new in this, this verse is the only time in the entire New Testament that that word is used. It is a rare word to be sure, at least in our New Testament setting. And the word new here can, can also be translated freshly slaughtered, newly killed. So we have a new, a freshly slaughtered and living way. How does that work? Something has been freshly slaughtered, but yet there's life, and this is the way. And so we see this new, freshly slaughtered. What this is showing us is, again, revealing a truth about our position. This freshly slaughtered lamb, Jesus, his blood, newly, freshly slaughtered. That moment, that last second of Jesus' life, he breathed his last. That final drop of blood fell. That last second, as fresh as that was, there came an explosion of life for a multitude of people. This freshly slaughtered, this new yet living way. We recognize that sin is what's keeping us from God. And they sacrificed animals over and over and over in order to try to cover the sin and seek the forgiveness of God. And God is saying this, the second this sacrifice happened, there was a life, an abundant life, a living way. We now have access. This is our position. We have access to the fullness of God and the fullness of God's plan for our life. 
We no longer need somebody to make a continual sacrifice. God has done it. And now our very destiny, the reason why we were created, can now be fulfilled. You can live the life that God has called you to, doing the things that only God has put in your path and meeting the people that God has brought in your way. And in dealing with the issues that God has allowed, this is the way you deal with it in a living way. You have access to the fullness of God's power and provision through that. And so it's this new and yet living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. You remember that holy of holy places? There is a curtain there I mentioned earlier. And only the high priest would pull this curtain back and enter in to do this offering. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, we see that when he breathed his last, that, that last second, that freshly slaughtered moment, that life burst forth, we see in scripture that God tore that curtain from top to bottom. From God to man, it's ripped in half. It's no longer significant. Jesus made the way. And so we're seeing that imagery that now God can be accessed by the most basic of people. And this is the way that God wants it to be. And this is the reminder and why God brought you here today. I love the imagery of this curtain that's being pulled back to. If you go to any play or any drama and you see this the stage is set and the curtain pulls back and now the actors come out each with their own part and they're working together to create this masterpiece it's the same image here because of what God has done by pulling this curtain back he has allowed the fullness of God and the fullness of your life to come together this position of proximity that God has brought together and now you are able to fulfill the role that you have been created for. There is no other way for you to fulfill your very destiny and impact the lives of others except through this. This is how you fulfill all that God has called you to. So we see this position is shaping up and then he says this. So this curtain that is through his flesh because the sacrifice of Jesus Jesus, we have access to God, and God is dwelling in our midst. Watch. Since, in verse 21, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. I'm going to pause here too. All of this is showing us God at work, who God is and what he's doing. Now he's saying, we have a great priest over the house of God. This high priest. But he says that whoever this high priest is, we know is Jesus in his context, that this high priest is over the house of God. Now, this shows us the deity of Jesus. There is not a created being that is somehow over the things of God. God is over the things of God. And so this high priest, this is Jesus fulfilling that role of a high priest, and he is over the things of God. God is the one that is drawing this together. That image of the high priest, if you boil down what a high priest is doing, is he is a representative of the people that is fulfilling the, the letter of God's law, bringing a sacrifice that is sufficient that God has called for, and in that process that the, the fullness of God in all of the sin of man 
God wipes it clean, and now man and God can dwell together. The presence of God is here in our midst. That's the role of this high priest. And that's what Jesus is doing, is he is drawing the people of God in the fullness of God together. On Halloween of 2020, we had an incident in the Higgins home. I had picked up my little boy out of his crib. He was just a few days away from turning one years old. So I went, it was about almost dinner time, and Sarah, my wife, was cooking dinner. And I went and got him out of the crib, and I brought him into the kitchen, was talking to Sarah, and he was getting kind of rigid and just a little cantankerous, kind of like, put me down, Dad, I want to go play with some toys. So I backed up, there's a living room attached to our kitchen, and I backed up, and I, I just set him in the, the middle of all of his toys, and, and he just kind of went kind of stiff-like, and, and I just kind of backed up to look at him, and I noticed his face had turned completely blue. And as moment I saw that, he just fell face forward on the floor. Lifeless, no breath, no sound, no nothing, just blue. And I realized at that moment, obviously, I'm in big trouble. This is a big, big deal. Now, you can laugh at me if you want, but I knew at that moment I'm going to win. I'm not going to lose. I'm not going to watch my son die, not in my arms, not today. I don't have all the answers, but we're going to find solutions. I picked him up. I began to do the things that I have been trained to do, what little training that I have. And I ultimately able to clear his airway. But my wife called 911 in the process. I am busy. There is a matter of moments here, and I don't have time to dial anything. But my wife called, and within less than five minutes, the response was great. I had millions of dollars of equipment showing up at my doorstep. Everything, every kind of vehicle that had flashing lights was there. I had a dozen people walking up my, through my front door with bags of stuff I know not what. All kinds of electric equipment. They're hooking him up. They're testing him out. He seemed good to me. But listen, the amount of reinforcements that came with just a call. I owe a lot to our first responders as you do too, but let me say something. They do not hold a candle to the amount of resources that God brings to bear in your life. And in the midst of the struggle of your life, the hardest, most life and death circumstances, this high priest, King Jesus, he is through his role bringing you and God together in the fullness of the strength of God and you are brought together. Understand the power of your position. This position is what sets us in motion to fulfill everything God called you to do in this life. And it will echo for an eternity. That is the beauty of this high priest. It's the beauty of the sacrifice of Jesus. And we have confidence in this, the Bible says. So... This high priest, who, by the way, is over the house of God. He's not a created being. He is the fullness of God. Verse 22, this is what I mean at the beginning. I said that double-sided tape or that superglue. We see God, who he is, what he's doing, but now he binds us together with that. And we see that begin in verse 22. Let us draw near with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Because of this position that God has, let us as believers 
cling to this, draw near to it, that sprinkled clean. Do you remember that imagery of that blood that's sprinkled on the holy place, on the mercy seat? Because of the blood of Jesus, your heart, it's saying, this true heart, there's not hypocrisy here. You're not a hypocrite. I come to God because I am this, this, this. I come to God because Jesus is the one who brought me here. And so we're putting every pretense aside and we're clinging to the fullness of God and it's been sprinkled clean by the blood of Jesus separating this evil conscience. Remember I asked, what would God say? Perhaps today you had that fear in your heart of I don't know what God would say. I don't think you would be good. But he's saying all that evil stuff, that's gone. There is no fear. And our bodies washed with pure water is a picture of our baptism. That, that baptism of, of a symbolic nature of what the Holy Spirit has done from the inside out. That we have died to our sin and risen again to walk in this new life. We have seen this play out. So we're coming together. Let us, verse 23, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Hold fast to cling with intensity. God has a plan and a purpose. He's revealing our position. And he is telling us now, he's binding us, hang on to that truth. This is what's going to give you power and strength to engage every challenge that God brings before you. It gives us a confidence and a boldness. Cling to it. Hold fast to the confession of our hope. That what we see, we're clinging to Jesus right now. But what we hope for <clears throat> will be made visible soon enough. The things that <clears throat> we know that God has promised will be fulfilled soon enough. We live in a world, if you were to walk out right now and I say, look up at the stars. The stars are very much there, people of God. But there's a blue thing that kind of blocks the vision, the sky. It's daytime right now. Stars are beyond that. We know that, but you can't see them. But it doesn't mean that they're not there, and it doesn't mean that their time isn't coming. And the same is true with what God has. Hold on with hope. Cling to this. Though you don't see everything yet, that time is coming. Hold fast to this hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. Sometimes it is very good for us to rewind our life and look at how God has been faithful every moment of every day. No doubt there are some major things in life events that you can look back and say, I had no idea what happened there, but God was sure good to me when that did happen. God was faithful to me, and perhaps today God's reminding you of the power that he's already worked, reminding you to cling to this position where hope will soon be made sight. And so he has showed us this position. We have access to the fullness of God. We don't need somebody else to do it for us. God and the fullness of God is present and he is binding us to that. All of that power and glory and mercy and grace is there. There is no fear. Cling to this. He's binding us together and saying, cling to that hope now. Watch what he does. He takes us from that position and now puts us on mission. We have to understand who we are in God to fully realize what God has called us to in our life. This is that mission that he's revealing. It's the one another. We saw it when we read through. It says this, verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Pause. 
Love is necessary for good works. This one another is that we are now focusing on those that are around us. Stir up. That word stir up is actually a negative word, like that of spurs into the side of a horse. It's not a positive, it's kind of a negative. It's to stir a pot. When somebody says, well, they're just an old pot stirrer. What they're doing, they're bringing up stuff. And so the writer here is making this negative statement in order to heighten our awareness of the intensity of this. We need to look very carefully to encourage, to be bold in calling people up and out in this good works to serve others, to fulfill the things that God has called you to, to use the gifts that God has given you. And he says, stir up one another. So this is now our mission. We're, we understand our position with God, but our mission now is to look at each other, stir them up for good works, to encourage one another to do good things for those around us, to point them to the Lord. Verse 25, how do we do this? What are some ways? Here's what it says. Do not neglect to meet together, as is the habit with some. In other words, you need to be with the people of God. He, he is drawing our attention to our position. We have access to the fullness of God. We are clinging to this. He has given us a mission. Go and do the things God has called you to. Meet needs of those that are around you. Stir up your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to join you in that. Join them in that. You're looking for these opportunities. <clears throat> we do that by meeting together and not neglecting it. If you were to look at statistics, in my world, there are statistics that we look at in church life. And I'm not really a statistics person. I don't like them. But I will tell you what's curious to me. Most of the statistics we look at, we would consider in the church world, and I say we loosely. I don't consider it this. But we would consider a regular attender to be someone who comes to church one out of every three weeks. I don't have a clue who in the world is going to know your brother and sister and stir each other up and do the things God has called you to when you only see them for an hour every three weeks. The Bible is saying that we do not neglect to meet together. Now, I recognize there are some that can't be here for one reason or another. That's fine. But what is significant is that you are in a position where you have a proximity with the fullness of God. You have a destiny that you can only fulfill and no one else can, and we need you as you need everyone else around you. We work together. If you want to see God move in your life and accomplish great things, it happens when we are working together. This is our mission. But it says, don't neglect meeting together, as is a habit with some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. There are only so many days in our life. Now, I believe this text is really pointing to Jesus returning, but I think that it has implications on the fact that you and I, we may draw our last breath before this happens. I don't know which one comes first, but there is a point where time ends for every one of us. God has put you on this earth. He has gifted you the way that he has gifted you. He has called you the way that he has called you. And you have access to that position with God. And now you have that mission. And God has a plan and a purpose. 
It's possible that you understand your position, but yet, as a believer, you have lost sight of the mission. And you may be here with a clear calling in your life. God has called you to serve, to step out, to do something that you are resisting. And today, he has brought you here to remind you of that. The time is going to end. The time to do this is now. And perhaps you're in fear. Again, if Jesus was next to you, say, I know my position. I, I have forgiveness of sins. I have access to his power, but I am fearful of living out my calling. I don't have the gifting. I don't have the skill. I'm not as eloquent as this person or that person. Listen, God equips everyone that he calls. If he has called you to something, he will equip you with the necessary tools to accomplish what he's called you to. If you look through scripture, there's a whole lot of people, with all due respect, that are weird and they have no idea what they're doing, but God gives them a strength and a power that we're still talking about now. And now the sun shines on, shines on our generation to equip, to stir one another up, to do good works. The Lord is going to return soon enough, if not before we breathe our last. God reveals two truths to us today. Our position in him, the strength, the power, the glory that we have access to the fullness of God. Perhaps that's why he brought you here is to remind you of that as you look at all the challenges in your life. You say, how could God ever use someone like me? How am I ever going to overcome this challenge? Recognize your position in the strength thereof. But perhaps you're here today and you recognize that. God reminded you of that. But yet there's more to your life than what you have been living. And you are on autopilot and God's calling you out of that because he's calling you to that mission. We have a position and we have a mission to stir one another up to good works. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask this because I believe God wants a response from every one of us. It may be that you're here and you're struggling with that position and you just need to say, Lord, I'm going to cling to this. There is a challenge in your life that is so distracting from the things of God that you're focused on that. And today, you need to set that before the Lord and say, I'm going to focus on you instead of that. I know that you have the strength to overcome this. Maybe you're here and you haven't realized your mission. I get that, that I have a relationship with God, but I want my life to matter I want to see God move through me and maybe he's calling you to serve or to step up or to step out or to do something and today is the day that you can do that yourself. That God's calling you up and out to stir one another up to go do good works. I'm not entirely sure why God brought you here specifically, but I do know that he demands a response every time we're confronted with his word. So I'm gonna ask that in this time, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And you do business with God with your heart. It may be the words of the song. It may be a matter of prayer that you take that moment of opportunity where you are. If you want to come up to these steps and just kind of set everything behind you and really focus, that's fine. They're here. I am present down front if I can help pray with you or there's something I can do. But just remember, you do not need a pastor. You don't need a high priest. You only need the Lord. And I'm happy to be here with you. But there is one final group of people. This has been written to those who are believers. 
Outside of putting your faith in Jesus, you have no access to God's power. You have no access to God's destiny for your life. You are outside of that. And today may be the very reason why God brought you here, so that you see this, this position and you see this mission and you want it for your own. And today you can have it. I am going to invite you to meet with me because I want to know who you are and I want to encourage you on the beginning of your journey. If I'm busy, there'll be another pastor to come down here and pray with you. Whatever I can do for you, let me be at your service. But today we're going to respond to the Lord. Stand with me as we sing this and you respond to the Lord as he calls you to. From everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.